Let's turn to Joshua, the book of Joshua in chapter 22. Joshua 22, and we'll be reading here also verses 1 through 34, the whole chapter. Joshua 22, and before we read God's Word, let's pray. Our gracious Father, thank You once again for Your Word. We're thankful that You speak to us. We're thankful for Your Holy Spirit who is present. We ask that You would pour forth Your Spirit now and do Your great work in our hearts and in the hearts of Your elect. We pray and and plead that You would illumine our hearts and our minds to shine a light into the dark recesses of our hearts and our minds and our wills and our affections. That Your marvelous light and Your grace would do Your great work and grant faith and obedience and uh, zeal for the Gospel of Jesus Christ. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Joshua 22, verse 1. These are God's words. Then Joshua called the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh and said unto them, Ye have kept all that Moses the servant of the Lord commanded you and have obeyed my voice in all that I commanded you. Ye have not left your brethren these many days unto this day, but have kept the charge of the commandment of the Lord your God. And now the Lord your God hath given rest unto your brethren as He promised them. Therefore now return ye and get you unto your tents and unto the land of your possession, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you on the other side, Jordan. But take diligent heed to do the commandment uh, and the law which Moses, the servant of the Lord, charged you to love the Lord your God and to walk in all His ways, and to keep His commandments, and to cleave unto Him, and to serve Him with all your heart and with all your soul. So Joshua blessed them, and sent them away, and they went unto their tents. Now to the one half of the tribe of Manasseh, Moses had given possession in Bashan, but unto the other half thereof gave Joshua among their brethren on this side, Jordan westward. And when Joshua sent them away also unto their tents, and he blessed them, and he spake unto them, saying, Return with much riches unto your tents, and with very much cattle, with silver, and with gold, and with brass, and with iron, and with very much raiment. Divide the spoil of your enemies with your brethren. And the children of Reuben, and the children of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh returned, and departed from the children of Israel out of Shiloh, which is in the land of Canaan, to go on to the country, unto the country of Gilead, to the land of of their possession, whereof they were possessed according to the word of the Lord by the hand of Moses. And when they came unto the borders of Jordan that are in the land of Canaan, the children of Reuben and the children of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh built there an altar by Jordan, a great altar to see to. And the children of Israel heard, say, Behold, the children of Reuben and the children of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh have built an altar over against the land of Canaan in the borders of Jordan, at the passage of the children of Israel. 
And when the children of Israel heard of it, the whole congregation of the children of Israel gathered themselves together at Shiloh to go up to war against them. And the children of Israel sent unto the children of Reuben and unto the children of Gad and to the half-tribe of Manasseh into the land of Gilead, Phinehas the son of Eleazar the priest, and with him ten princes of each chief house of prince throughout all the tribes of Israel. And each one was the head of the house of their fathers among the thousands of Israel. And they came unto the children of Reuben and to the children of Gad and to the half-tribe of Manasseh unto the land of Gilead. And they spake with them, saying, Thus saith the whole congregation of the Lord. What trespass is this that ye have committed against the God of Israel to turn away this day from following the Lord, in that ye have builded you an altar that that ye might rebel this day against the Lord? Is the iniquity of Peor too little for us, from which we are not cleansed until this day, although there was a plague in the congregation of the Lord? but that ye must turn away this day from following the Lord. And it will be, seeing ye rebel today against the Lord, that tomorrow He will be wroth with the whole congregation of Israel. Notwithstanding, if the land of your possession be unclean, then pass ye over unto the land of the possession of the Lord, wherein the Lord's tabernacle dwelleth, and take possession among us. But rebel not against the Lord nor rebel against us in building you an altar beside the altar of the Lord our God. Did not Achan the son of Zerah commit a trespass in the accursed thing, and wrath fell on all the congregation of Israel? And that man perished not alone in his iniquity. Then the children of Reuben and the children of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh answered and said unto the heads of the thousands of Israel, The Lord God of gods, the Lord God of gods, He knoweth, and Israel He shall know. If it be in rebellion, or if in transgression against the Lord, save us not this day. We have built us an altar to turn from following the Lord, or if to offer thereon burnt offering or meat offering, or if to offer peace offerings thereon, let the Lord Himself require it. And if we have not rather done it for fear of this thing, saying, In time to come your children might speak unto our children, saying, What have ye to do with the Lord God of Israel? For the Lord hath made Jordan a border between us and you, ye children of Reuben and children of Gad, ye have no part in the Lord. So shall your children make our children cease from fearing the Lord. Therefore we said, Let us now prepare to build us an altar, not for burnt offering, nor for sacrifice but that it may be a witness between us and you and our generations after us, that we might do the service of the Lord before Him with our burnt offerings and with our sacrifices and with our peace offerings, that that your children may not say to our children in time to come, ye have no part in the Lord. Therefore said we that it shall be when they should say so to us or to our generations in time to come, that we may say again, Behold the pattern of the altar of the Lord, which our fathers made, not for burnt offerings nor for sacrifices, but it is a witness between us and you. God forbid that we should rebel against the Lord and turn this day from following the Lord to build an altar for burnt offerings and for meat offerings or for sacrifices beside the altar of the Lord our God that is before His tabernacle. And when Phinehas the priest and the princes of the congregation and heads of the thousands of Israel which were with him heard the words that the children of Reuben and the children of Gad and the children of Manasseh spake, 
it pleased them. And Phinehas, the son of Eleazar the priest, said unto the children of Reuben, and to the children of Gad, and to the children of Manasseh, This day we perceive that the Lord is among us, because ye have not committed this trespass against the Lord. Now ye have delivered the children of Israel out of the hand of the Lord. And Phinehas, the son of Eleazar the priest, and the princes, returned from the children of Reuben and from the children of Gad out of the land of Gilead unto the land of Canaan, to the children of Israel, and brought them word again. And the thing pleased the children of Israel. And the children of Israel blessed God and did not intend to go up against them in battle to destroy the land wherein the children of Reuben and Gad dwelt. And the children of Reuben and the children of Gad called the altar Ed, for it shall be a witness between us that the Lord is God. Those are God's words. All that the all the land that the Lord God had given to Israel was allotted to each of the tribes. That's the last thing we read in chapter twenty-one, and it says there at the end of chapter twenty-one, and the Lord gave unto Israel all the land which He swore to give unto their fathers, and they possessed it and dwelt therein. And the Lord gave them rest round about according to all that He swore unto their fathers. And there stood not a man of all the enemies before them. The Lord delivered all their enemies into their hand. There failed not aught of any good thing which the Lord had spoken unto the house of Israel. All came to pass. Now there is something to note about that which has come before that we have already covered. When we read about these tribes that are spoken of in this chapter, Reuben and Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh, as well as those tribes to the west of the Jordan, in particular Judah, uh, contrary or uh, though different than Caleb, or compared with Caleb. Remember Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh, and then Judah in particular. There were in those descriptions of how they received their land, that they did not go back to their land inheritance and defeat the rest of the Canaanites that remained in their land. If you remember that. They were not faithful. And that was given to us not as it had already happened at that time when we read it in or earlier in Joshua. But it was given of what actually would happen or did happen in the future from this point in Joshua 22. And so when we come to Joshua chapter 22... It is only now that those eastern tribes are finally going back to their land that they've inherited. Because they have faithfully served the Lord coming to the west of the Jordan. The men, the soldiers having left their families behind for many years in sacrifice for wanting those eastern lands uh, under Moses. They wanted those eastern lands, but one of the stipulations was, well, you have to go into the land of Canaan to the west of the Jordan and help your brothers defeat the Canaanites. And then only after they have defeated the Canaanites can you return back to the east. And their faithfulness is shown in our passage in the first four verses. It says in verse 1, Then Joshua called the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh and said unto them, Ye have kept all that Moses the servant of the Lord commanded you and have obeyed my voice in all that I commanded you. You have not left your brethren these many days unto this day, 
but have kept the charge of the commandment of the Lord your God. And now the Lord your God hath given rest unto your brethren, that's those to the west of the Jordan River, as He promised them. Therefore now return ye, and get you unto your tents and unto the land of your possession, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you on the other side, Jordan. And so finally, now these tribes can return and go back to their homes east of the Jordan River. That land, the, the, the parcels of land that they have been they had received under Moses. And you would think that here includes that uh, those Levites that would go into those cities as well. Verse two it says they had obeyed Jehovah. They had kept all the directives given to them under Moses and the Lord. Those directives were given in Numbers thirty two. And it says there, And the children of Gad and the children of Reuben spake unto Moses, saying, Thy servants will do as my Lord commandeth. Our little ones, our wives, our flocks, and all our cattle shall be there in the cities of Gilead. But thy servants will pass over, every man armed for war, before the Lord to battle, as my Lord saith. And then in Joshua 1, those same tribes responded, they answered Joshua, saying, All that thou commandest us, we will do, and whithersoever thou sendest us, we will go. According as we hearken unto Moses in all things, so will we hearken unto thee. Only the Lord thy God be with thee, as he was with Moses. Whosoever he be, that doth rebel against thy commandment, and will not hearken unto thy words, and all that thou commandest him, he shall be put to death. Only be strong and of a good courage." And it's now here where the Lord, through Joshua, releases them from their duty, which they promised to keep and did keep by defeating the major armies of Canaan and defeating the land. As was just mentioned too, what, uh, what a great sacrifice these men made, leaving their families and their flocks behind. Deuteronomy 3, it says there, Again, but your wives and your little ones and your cattle. For I know that ye have much cattle. Shall abide in your cities which I have given you. And so the Lord hath given rest unto your brethren as well as unto you. And until they, if they also possess the land which the Lord your God hath given them beyond Jordan. And then shall ye return every man unto his possession which I have given you. Uh, saying something that very similar to Numbers 32. Now as we think of that, that seems like a great struggle. Remember, at one point we had said when they had not, when they had defeated all the Canaanites before they had received the land, it was seven years that they were doing this. And so these men from the east, the eastern tribes, had left their wives and children and their livelihood for at least seven years. And yet it is that picture that we have with them here. That is the same for all of us as Christians. Now we heard last Lord's Day that we are sojourners here. And though our Heavenly Father's house above is so desirable, and yet we must stay here on earth till our warfare is accomplished. And wait for our discharge papers, if you will. We have to seek the work done here in Christ's kingdom on earth before we're granted permission from the Lord to go home and rest with our 
family forever and enjoy that perfect communion with our husband, our bridegroom, Jesus Christ. And so there's a little picture of our sojourning here on the earth. These men willing, willingly sacrifice seven years for the greater good of their families, their children, generations to come. But now those eastern tribes are given further instruction as they return in verse 5. It says, But take diligent heed to do the commandment and the law, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, charged you to love the Lord your God and to walk in all His ways and to keep His commandments and to cleave unto Him and to serve Him with all your heart and with all your soul. And so Joshua blessed them and sent them away, and they went unto their tents. That is, they went to the east where their tents were. All right, take heed, he says. Take, uh, take diligent heed to do the commandment and the law. Jehovah's Word. This is what we're told. They were told as they were being sent back out. This is what's most important. Jehovah's Word must be central to your lives as you go home. That you would love the Lord your God. To love God is to keep His commandments. To love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. The greatest commandment there in verse 5. To walk in all His ways and keep His commandments. The Ten Commandments. All of His commandments that are summarized in the Ten to cleave, it says, to cleave unto Him. To cleave unto the, the, the Lord as a wife cleaves to, cleaves to her husband and a husband to his wife. In all things, no matter what happens, you must cleave to the very core, with the very core of your heart. Cleave to the Lord. But again, beloved, to, keep, to be keeping His commandments means we must be first in His Word. To know His commandments in His Word daily. In family worship, in private worship. We must be attentive and present for public worship. When you're driving in your car, listen to the Scriptures instead of the radio. Have the Psalms playing when you're doing work around the house. Seek to memorize Scripture and then meditate upon His Word. And then it says to serve Him. That's the duty of worshiping. Serve Him with all your heart and with all your soul. Not just your body, but go and worship the Lord from your heart and your soul. Their very existence depended upon the Lord who has so commanded. The basis of our existence today is God's Word. His speaking to us mercy and grace in the Gospel. He commands them there in verse 5. Love, walk, keep cleave, and serve. Those words can be summarized with one word. Be faithful unto me. Be faithful to Jehovah and His Word. And so Joshua blessed them and sent them out. And this is interrupted with a little appendix of sorts there in verses 7-9 through nine to what was just spoken to these eastern tribes. It says in verse 7, now to the one half of the tribe of Manasseh, Moses had given possession in Bashan, 
But unto the other half thereof gave Joshua among their brethren on this side, Jordan, westward. And when Joshua sent them away also unto their tents, then he blessed them. And he spake unto them, saying, Return with much riches unto your tents, and with much cattle, very much cattle, with silver, and with gold, and with brass, and with iron, and with very much raiment. Divide the spoil of your enemies with your brethren. And the children of Reuben, and the children of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh returned and departed from the children of Israel out of Shiloh, which is in the land of Canaan, to go unto the country of Gilead, to the land of their possession, whereof they were possessed, according to the word of the Lord by the hand of Moses. Joshua's blessing them is with their pay for the spoil of war that was gained in destroying the Canaanites. Verse 8 says they, they came back with much riches, And you look back upon these brothers, beloved. They had, verse 2, kept all that Moses commanded. Verse 2, they obeyed the voice of Joshua. And verse 3, they had not left or forsaken their brethren. How important our obedience is to the Lord, to be faithful unto the Lord. But how also how important our obedience to the Lord is for the sake of our brethren our brothers and sisters in Christ. It's not just about you. right? It's about all of God's children, the church and this congregation for us very much in particular, but as we go out from here, all Christians, your faithfulness to God and His Word and His commandments is of vital importance for the rest of the church. How beautiful is the obedience of God's children? God's people today, you need to know, of course, that in Christ it is possible, it is possible to not sin. Praise the Lord for that. In 1 John 2, verse 1, praise the Lord. Sometimes we can come to think of it as the opposite, that it's not possible to not sin. But that it's But that's for all the world. All they can do is sin. It's not possible for them to not sin. But now Jesus has saved you from your sin. So sin is not Lord over you. You have a new Lord. A new King. Jesus Christ. And He is Lord over our souls by the Holy Spirit. Romans 6, it says, Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father... Even so, we also should walk in newness of life. And so now having been sent out, verse 9, they depart and they return to their tents to the east of the Jordan River, their lands, according to God's commandment. It says in verse 10, And when they came unto the borders of Jordan that are in the land of Canaan, the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh built there an altar by Jordan, a great altar to see to, And the children of Israel heard say, those to the west of the Jordan, the children of Israel heard say, Behold, the children of Reuben and the children of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh have built an altar over against the land of Canaan and the borders of Jordan at the passage of the children of Israel. And when the children of Israel heard of it, the whole congregation of the children of Israel gathered themselves together at Shiloh to go up to war against them. So the Reubenites, the Gadites, the half-tribe of Manasseh, the soldiers from 
these tribes as they're returning home. They crossed the Jordan River and there next to the Jordan River they built a great altar. Now, at this point in reading the chapter, we don't immediately know why they built an altar. And we'll take it as that for now to understand what the western tribes see and their reaction is to this word of it. They them building this altar when it came to them. And what was their reaction? We had just read verse 12, And when the children of Israel heard of it, the whole congregation of the children of Israel gathered themselves together at Shiloh to go up to war against them. And the children of Israel sent unto the children of Reuben, and to the children of Gad, and to the half-tribe of Manasseh, and to the land of Gilead. Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the priest, and with him ten princes of each chief house, a prince throughout all the tribes of Israel, and each one was the head of the house of their fathers among the thousands of Israel. Well, it seems like there is much rejoicing. Everybody's going home. The eastern tribes going home, seeing their families again for the first time in a long time. And they build the altar. And then those to the west of Jordan hear about this. And it got serious real fast. Right? All the children of Israel on the western, uh, to the western side of Jordan, all those tribes gathered at Shiloh again. They had just gone home. Immediately, they're back at Shiloh. And they're getting ready to go to war against their brethren. Against their brethren. Right? War between the tribes, like we would probably say in our nation. Their own people. And why is this? Well, they built an altar. Now you see the zeal of God's people here to the west of the Jordan. They believe that those east of the Jordan have who have built this altar, have built an altar of worship, an altar that the Lord had not commanded, perhaps an altar to a foreign god. Then if you're the western tribes, what are you thinking? This happens in the church all the time. You see in another church or some you know, other Christian, seems like they sinned a great sin. And you kind of get riled up and the righteousness of God is at stake. And they've rebelled against God. And you're, there's some sadness there. There's some grieving there. But there's also, should be, a righteous anger against that sin. That's what the western tribes are feeling here. And they're ready to defend the Lord and His worship. And the western tribes are thinking, this stupidity is going to cause all of us to come under the judgment of God. We have to stop this now, lest we be judged. Our brothers are turning and rebelling against Jehovah, and that will bring God's wrath upon us all, right? They know that there is a corporate responsibility, not only as a nation, but as a religious people. They remember when Achan took the idols. That hasn't been spoken yet. It talks about that in a little bit. They knew. They remember Achan. It wasn't that long ago that he took the idols and he hid them. And the Lord judged the whole nation for Achan's sin. Joshua 7, But the children of Israel committed a trespass and the accursed thing. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against who? The children of Israel. 
not Achan, the children of Israel. The children of Israel committed a trespass, it says. The anger of the Lord was kindled against them. They went up to Ai right after that and fought and they were defeated. All because of one man's sin, which is Israel's sin. Because there's a corporate responsibility. And so here again, these two and a half tribes have built a great altar. Not again, the Western... That's right, no. Not, not again, the Western tribes say. Not again. We will not be judged again. They have zeal for this. They do not want to be judged. We're not going to be judged by Jehovah. No way. And they gather together there at Shiloh to go up to war across the Jordan. But wisely, before they go up to war, they send a delegation to the eastern tribes. Ten leaders from each of the tribes and Phineas the priest leading them. Verse 15, And they came unto the children of Reuben, and to the children of Gad, and to the half-tribe of Manasseh, and unto the land of Gilead. And they spake with them, saying, Thus saith the whole congregation of the Lord, What trespass is this that ye have committed against the God of Israel, to turn away this day from following the Lord, and that ye have builded you an altar, that ye might rebel this day against the Lord? Is the iniquity of Peor too little for us? from which we are not cleansed until this day, although there was a plague in the congregation of the Lord, but that ye must turn away this day from following the Lord. And it will be, seeing you rebel today against the Lord, that tomorrow He will be wroth with the whole congregation of Israel, notwithstanding, if the land of your possession be unclean, then pass ye over unto the land of the possession of the Lord, wherein the Lord's tabernacle dwelleth, and take possession among us. But rebel not against the Lord, nor rebel against us in in building you an altar beside the altar of the Lord our God. Did not Achan, the son of Zerah, commit a trespass in the accursing, and wrath fell on all the congregation of Israel? And that man perished not alone in his iniquity. Right? Look what happened to us with Achan. Don't you remember? Judges, Joshua 7. But Achan was not alone who was judged. It was some of the army of Israel that was judged. It was the children of Israel that was judged. And then also Achan's whole family and all of his property were judged. And Phineas is here speaking. And so he brings up what happened at Peor in verse 17, where he was intimately involved in that situation. That's from Numbers 25. And it says there, And Israel abode in Shittim, and the people began to commit whoredom with the daughters of Moab. And they called the people unto the sacrifices of their gods, and the people did eat and bowed down to their gods. And Israel joined himself unto Baal Peor. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And the Lord said unto Moses, Take all the heads of the people and hang them up before the Lord against the sun, that the fierce anger of the Lord may be turned away from Israel. And Moses said unto the judges of Israel, Slay ye every one his men that were joined unto Baal Peor. And behold, one of the children of Israel came and brought unto his brethren a Midianitish woman in the sight of Moses, and in the sight of all the congregation of the children of Israel, who were weeping before the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And when Phinehas the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, saw it, 
He rose up from among the congregation and took a javelin in his hand. And he went after the man of Israel into the tent and thrust both of them through, the man of Israel and the woman through her belly. So the plague was stayed from the children of Israel. And those that died in the plague were twenty and four thousand. Don't you see that this is what Phineas is saying as uh, the, the mouthpiece here being used? Don't you see the danger you've put all of us in? By your idolatry and you're making an altar? And Phineas, we see, he has great zeal about this. He's not just being pushed by everybody else. He has great zeal. He's done this before. He's seen sin and wretchedness in Israel and he brought about right from it, judging the Lord through Him, judging the sinners. But here He is pleading, turn from this today. Even He's saying in there, He's saying, if you can't do this to the east of Jordan, come on the west side and and take possession on the land here with us. Do not wait to change. Do not wait to repent lest the anger of the Lord be against all of Israel again. You're setting us up again for destruction. The setting up of the altar that is other than the altar of Jehovah, which is at Shiloh right now with the tent of meeting or the tabernacle. There's only one place that sacrifices are to be offered on an altar at this time, and that is in the central one location which right now is Shiloh, where the tabernacle is. You eastern tribes, Reuben, Gad, the half-tribe of Manasseh, you are committing apostasy. You're rebelling against the Lord. And Joshua has commanded you to love and to walk and to keep and to cleave and to serve Jehovah. Not rebel against Him, but to serve Him faithfully. And you're rebelling against Him and thus against us. Here, beloved, is the zeal that we ought to have for the church's faithfulness. How passionate we should be for the faithfulness of the Lord's commandments, especially amongst ourselves. And then for the rest of the church, starting with our presbytery and the denomination and outward to all churches. Well, then the eastern tribes respond in verse 21. And the children of Reuben and the children of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh answered and said unto the heads of the thousands of Israel, The Lord God of gods, the Lord God of gods, He knoweth. And Israel, He shall know. If it be in rebellion or if in transgression against the Lord, save us, not this day, that we have built us an altar to turn from following the Lord, or if to offer thereon burnt offering or meat offering, or if to offer peace offerings thereon, let the Lord Himself require it. And if we have not rather done it for fear of this thing, saying, in time to come your children might speak unto our children, saying, what have ye to do with the Lord God of Israel? For the Lord hath made Jordan a border between us and you, ye children of Reuben and children of Gad. Ye have no part in the Lord, so shall your children make our children cease from fearing the Lord. Therefore we said, Let us now prepare to build us an altar, not for burnt offering, nor for sacrifice, 
but that it may be a witness between us and you and our generations after us, that we might do the service of the Lord before Him with our burnt offerings and with our sacrifices and with our peace offerings, that your children may not say to our children in time to come, ye have no part in the Lord. Therefore said we that it shall be when they should say so say to us and or to our generations in time to come that we may say again, behold the pattern of the altar of the Lord which our fathers made, not for burnt offerings or for sacrifices, but it is a witness between us and you. God forbid that we should rebel against the Lord and turn this day from following the Lord to build an altar for burnt offerings, for meat offerings, and for sacrifices beside the altar of the Lord our God that is before His tabernacle. That tabernacle in Shiloh. And so their response is, the Lord judge if we are in sin. And they're saying the accusation is unfounded. Their argument is not one of repentance. It is one where they claim and are pleading for the western tribes to see that they have not apostatized. They have not rebelled against Jehovah. Their defense begins in verse 22. The Lord God of gods, the Lord God of gods, He knoweth. He knoweth the truth of why we built this. They passionately are saying we follow the one true God, Jehovah. And by constructing this altar, we have not gone astray. The western tribes believed they had constructed the altar for offering sacrificial offerings on or strange fire for all they knew. But verse 27 tells us that wasn't their intent at all. Right? Again, it says, verse 26, Therefore we said, Let us now prepare to build us an altar, not for burnt offering nor for sacrifice, but that it may be a witness between us and you and our generations after us that we might do the service of the Lord before Him with our burnt offerings and with our sacrifices and with our peace offerings that your children may not say to our children in time to come, ye have no part in the Lord. We, we built this altar to be not for offering sacrifices, but to be a witness, a testimony, a word, a reminder to all of us and for our generations after you and us so that we might serve the Lord so that we might worship the Lord with the sacrifices that you're speaking about. But not here, at this altar, but at that altar before the tabernacle, which is now at Shiloh. And so the eastern tribes have a fear, a realistic fear, that we've seen before, we've seen spoken of before, in Joshua these eastern tribes fear that the future generations of Israel might forget that they're actually part of the people of God. That they are part of Israel, the covenant people. Because there is a physical barrier between them, the western tribes, uh, and the eastern tribes, the Jordan River. And so they're concerned that one day, not right now, but one day, they would be shunned. Their children would be shunned and not thought upon. And so the altar they build here is a copy or a shadow of the real altar of burnt offering. As it says in verse 28, Therefore said we that it shall be when 
they should so say to us or to our generations in time to come that we may say again, Behold the pattern of the altar of the Lord, which our fathers made. That's the altar that they just built in this chapter. Not for burnt offerings, nor for sacrifices, but it is a witness between us and you. It's a pattern of the altar of the Lord. It's a pattern, a copy and a shadow of the altar in Shiloh, in the tabernacle. Our serves, our altar serves only as a witness. No sacrifices, no offerings upon it. Because the generations that come after us want, we want our descendants to know that we're just a part, as much a part of Israel as you're a part of Israel. We're just as much a part of the people of God as you are. And so we have just as much right to come and bring our sacrifices to the altar at the real tabernacle as any of you, when we come and cross the Jordan River then. Verse 29, God forbid that we should rebel against the Lord and turn this day from following the Lord to build an altar for burnt offerings, for meat offerings, or for sacrifices beside the altar of the Lord our God that is before His tabernacle, right beside the one that's in Shiloh at that time. And so this is very strong language that denies what they are being accused of. No, they were not rebelling against Jehovah. And yet it's somewhat ironic that the western tribes at first believe that the altar has been built in unfaithfulness and rebellion against Jehovah. And the eastern tribes affirm that the altar was built as a means of preventing unfaithfulness and preventing rebellion against Jehovah. And so if we look back at the western tribes, and there was a, a worrying to be had, a fear. It would be this type of worrying which is more of a great concern for their brothers and sisters to the east, and concern for the faithfulness of the Lord's worship and the bride to the bridegroom. And that is the type of concern we ought to have for our brothers and sisters, even as these to the western tribes had, but also the one to the eastern tribes, what they had. And so the western tribes respond in verse 30, when Phinehas the priest, the princes of the congregation and heads of the thousands of Israel which were with him, heard the words that the children of Reuben and the children of Gad and the children of Manasseh spake, it pleased them. And Phinehas the son of Eleazar the priest said unto the children of Reuben and to the children of Gad and to the children of Manasseh, This day we perceive that the Lord is among us, because ye have not committed this trespass against the Lord. Now ye have delivered the children of Israel out of the hand of the Lord. And Phinehas the son of Eleazar the priest the prince and the princes returned from the children of Reuben and from the children of Gad out of the land of Gilead unto the land of Canaan to the children of Israel and brought them word again. And the thing pleased the children of Israel, those who were going up ready to go to war. It pleased the children of Israel, and the children of Israel blessed God and did not intend to go up against them in battle to destroy the land wherein the children of Reuben and Gad dwelt. And the children of Reuben and the children of Gad called the altar Ed, for it shall be a witness between us that the Lord is God. The name... The altar Ed. Ed, of course, is a Hebrew word. And it means, as some of your translations have, witness. 
The altar was named witness to be a witness between God's people that Jehovah is God. But for Phineas and the rest of the Western delegation, this was good in their sight. It pleased them. And Phineas declared that what the Eastern tribes had done was not rebellious. A war would have been uncalled for. And the explanation is a good explanation from the eastern tribes, and it diverted all disaster and war. And so he says at the end of verse 31, Now ye have delivered the children of Israel out of the hand of the Lord. And with that, they returned to the other side of the Jordan. They brought word back to Shiloh, uh, to those men who had come up for war. The delegation reports, verse 33, It was good in the eyes of the people. Praise the Lord for that. All war talk right there ended. And the people glorified the Lord by bringing such a conclusion. This altar that was built is the sixth monument built by the people of Israel in the land of Canaan in the book of Joshua. And they all bear witness to the covenantal unity of the tribes of Israel and Jehovah's faithfulness. And so what are some things that we learn in this chapter? We already learned of the great importance of faithfulness to the Lord's Word and obedience unto Him earlier in the chapter. And God's people, this is your great duty to your King. And there are many things that this congregation has been faithful in and continues to be faithful in. Praise the Lord for that. But still more we need to keep pursuing and working to put to death the sins still remaining. You are commanded for your, commended for your faithfulness. Continue in it, but keep pursuing it. Keep searching the Scriptures. Keep praying to the Lord. Come for your daily meat and portion to the Lord's house and to His throne and take up that sword of the Spirit, the Word of God that is His Word, and it would dwell in your heart. And so our calling is to be faithful to the Lord. But then we notice when... Something goes wrong when God's people appear to be in sin. Do we take up arms to go destroy them? We certainly prepare our hands to go to war. We prepare. But first, we go unto them and speak to them. What did you do? What was your intent? Do you understand the dangers of what you're doing? This is what it seems like you're doing, and it's very dangerous, not only for you, but for us. This affects the whole church. This affects the gospel and our witness. And we're all in a very dangerous place. The judgments of the Lord could come at any time. In this particular case, the response to the apparent sin was one of misunderstanding. And the answer and reply pleased the people. Praise the Lord for that. But they did not immediately go up to war. That would have been a a greater disaster. And those who had come up to war returned back to their homes. They were ready, as we are to be ready, they were ready to wage battle against sin and any rebellion against the Lord, but we must resolve such sin according to God's Word. 
Often someone commits a sin and people, for some reason, run to the elders to fix it. And they say, there needs to be discipline here. There needs to be church discipline. But we know that should not happen immediately. In Matthew 18, when there's a private sin, it says, Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. It's only then, beloved, if you don't hear, if they don't hear you, they don't see their sin, and they don't repent of their sin, then the witnesses, all of you, go to the elders of the church. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man or a publican. If you attempted to not confront the sinner first, beloved, and you come to the elders, do not be surprised if we say to you, go talk to your brother or sister first. That's what we ought to say. Be faithful to the Lord before starting a war. The war that we can offer is in the church only. We are not a nation here. We're a church. Certainly there is application to a nation and to us as citizens. But here, I'll focus on the church. We are always to be prepared for war. And in that, we have the armor of God. That is, we take the Word, we remain faithful ourselves, and we go and we teach that Word. Especially elders. This is the elders' duty especially to preach and teach the Word. When you're, in, when you're going in ways of unfaithfulness, we come to your family. right? We come to you. We come to the church and we teach and preach. There is that... Um, preventative battle that we wage, like preventative medicine. Um, exercise and vitamins and such like that. That's, that's what we're doing here. And then there are times where we're reactive, responding to sin that we see. And we are to go to them, not with a log in our own eye, and so not as a hypocrite, but to our brothers, as we read in or heard Galatians last Lord's Day. I believe it was last Lord's Day, Galatians 6. If anyone's in any trespass, you go to them in a spirit of gentleness or meekness. It was a couple of Lord's Days ago. And you bring the word to bear and you bear their burden. But you're prepared to go to war, always, and be faithful. You are to seek to be faithful to the Lord and thus love the Lord your God and walk in all His ways and keep His commandments and cleave unto Him in Christ and serve Him with all your heart and with all your soul. And how would any of us be faithful unless Jesus Christ was our Lord and Savior? Who is the faithful high priest Himself? 
who died in our place for our sins, so that we might repent and believe that we would be able to not sin and confront sin now in Him and rebuke sin and train, teach. What a wonderful truth that we are, not, we are able to not sin. And so we praise the Lord in Christ uh, what grace that He's shown to us that if we are to be faithful, we must keep looking to Him and His Word. And that's why He says at the beginning of this chapter to these brothers who are going back to the east, He commands them to obey Him, to love, to walk, to keep, to cleave, and to serve. And so we must do so as we look to Christ and follow Him by His grace. Let's pray. Our Father, we ask that You would first make us to turn unto You in Christ from our sins. There are some here who don't know You, who have never communed with You, never had fellowship with You, who continue in their sins, yet they know the Gospel. They know the good news. And yet they continue rebelling and not wanting to be part of your bride, not coming to be part of your bride, and coming by faith. Turn their hearts unto you and make them to be faithful. Make them to be faithful. That they would love you. Make all of us faithful servants. And we are not able to do what you've commanded here. And yet, In Christ we are able, because we are able in Him, by the Spirit, to not sin, to practice righteousness. And so, Father, make us to be a faithful people. Turn us and cause us to put to death the sin that still remains. And keep being faithful to Your people, not fearing man, but fearing You. Give us that great zeal and passion for the souls of our brothers and sisters in Christ. That when they sin, we who are spiritual would go unto them in a spirit of meekness and restore them, Father. Restore them by Your Word. And Father, we pray that you would hold off your judgments upon your church. And we are responsible every time we sin, each one of us sins, we are responsible corporately. And so make us and move us in that, just knowing that, to be all the more faithful. And cover our sins by the blood of Christ. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.